OSHA rarely receives the amount of attention it's been getting lately. In September, President Biden announced the agency would be developing a COVID vaccine mandate for large private employers, the details of which were made public in November. Since then, there's been quite a bit of litigation leading up to the Supreme Court blocking OSHA's new rule. It's been controversial to say the least. There's been a much broader consensus, however, about the Occupational Safety and Health Administration's authority to protect employees from work-related injuries and illnesses. In order to comply with OSHA's record-keeping requirements, certain employers must complete, post, and submit OSHA Form 300A. In today's episode, I'm going to cover Form 300A, including what it is, what's required, and how to fill it out. I'll also explain the other forms employers need to know for reporting. By the end, you'll have a better understanding of how your organization can be OSHA compliant. Today we'll discuss what is OSHA Form 300A? Who is required to fill out OSHA Form 300A? Step one, how to fill out OSHA Form 301 report. Step two, how to fill out OSHA Form 300 log. Step three, how to fill out OSHA Form 300A summary. Let's get started. What is OSHA Form 300A? OSHA Form 300A is a summary of injuries and illnesses from the previous year that are work-related and recordable. Of course, this means not all injuries and illnesses experienced in the workplace are considered work-related, a matter of context, or rise to the level of recordable, a matter of degree. So, Let's look at how OSHA defines these terms before digging into the details of reporting. According to OSHA, an injury or illness is work-related if an event or exposure in the work environment caused or contributed to the condition or significantly aggravated a pre-existing condition. Work-relatedness is presumed for injuries and illnesses resulting from events or exposures occurring in the workplace, unless an exception specifically applies. Again, just because an employee experiences pain from an injury or symptoms from an illness in the workplace does not necessarily make it work-related. According to OSHA, recordable work-related injuries and illnesses are those that result in death, loss of consciousness, days away from work, restricted work activity or job transfer, or medical treatment beyond first aid. Additionally, the following work-related incidents should be recorded. Any needle stick injury or cut from a sharp object that is contaminated with another person's blood or other potentially infectious material. Any case requiring an employee to be medically removed under the requirements of an OSHA health standard. Tuberculosis infection as evidenced by a positive skin test or diagnosis by a physician or other licensed healthcare professional after exposure to a known case of active tuberculosis or if any employee's hearing test reveals that the employee has experienced a standard threshold shift or STS in hearing in one or both ears, averaged at 2,000, 3,000, and 4,000 hertz, and the employee's total hearing level is 25 decibels or more above autometric zero, also averaged at 2,000, 3,000, and 4,000 hertz, in the same ear or ears as the STS. If employers need help deciding if a case is work-related or recordable, OSHA encourages them to call their regional office or state office if they operate in a state plan state. Reporting is a three-step process. 
Step one, if an incident or injury or illness meets the criteria of work-related and recordable, the employer must fill out Form 301 report. Then for step two, the incident must be recorded in the employer's Form 300 log for that work site. Finally, for step three, after the year's end, the employer must use the log to complete their Form 300A summary. I'll explain each of these steps in more depth in a moment. To comply, the Form 300A summary, not the log, must be posted in a highly visible area of each worksite from February 1st through April 30th. Employers must also submit the summary to OSHA by March 2nd using their online injury tracking application. I'll link to it in the description. Since January 15th, 2022, OSHA's maximum penalty for non-compliance has been $14,502 per violation for serious, other than serious, and posting requirement violations. The maximum penalty for willful or repeated violations is $145,027 per violation. I mentioned earlier that only certain employers must comply with these requirements. So who are they? Who is required to fill out OSHA Form 300A? These reporting requirements apply to employers with more than 10 employees in non-exempt hazardous industries, such as agriculture, construction, and manufacturing. Other employers and industries are referred to as partially exempt because there are still particular circumstances in which they must comply. OSHA still requires certain incidents, fatalities, hospitalization, dismemberment to be reported. Regardless of employer status, OSHA or the Bureau of Labor Statistics can still require, upon written notice, individual employers who are otherwise exempt to complete Form 300A. Partially exempt industries include retail, finance, and other low hazard work environments. For a complete list of partially exempt industries by NAICS code, check out OSHA's website. I'll link to it in the description. You can also look up your organization's NAICS code on the U.S. Census website. I'll also link that in the description. Non-exempt employers should also note that they must complete and submit Form 300A summary even if they have no injuries to report. But as I've mentioned, Form 300A summary is the final step in the OSHA reporting process, which begins with a Form 301 report. Step one, how to fill out OSHA Form 301 report. Once an incident of injury or illness occurs, a non-exempt employer has seven calendar days to determine whether it is work-related and recordable. If it meets that criteria, they must then fill out Form 301 report or an equivalent report, such as one from workers' comp or insurance. That provides the same information as Form 301. You can download the form from OSHA's website, which I'll link to in the description. The reporting requirements for fatalities and severe injuries, however, are much stricter. In addition to completing Form 301, all employers, regardless of their exemption status, must report any fatality to OSHA within eight hours and any amputation, hospitalization, or loss of an eye within 24 hours. Whoever completes Form 301 must print their name, title, phone number, and the date of reporting in the bottom left corner. For fields one through five, enter the employee's basic information, including full name, address, date of birth, date hired, and sex. For fields six through eight, provide information about the healthcare professional who treated the employee, including name, facility, and address if treatment was offsite. 
and whether or not the employee was treated in an emergency room or hospitalized overnight. Fields 10 through 18 are for recording information about the incident itself. For field 10, enter the case number from the Form 300 log. Since they must correspond, you should only enter this information in the report after the incident has been recorded in the log, even if you need to come back to it later. For fields 11 through 12, enter the date of the incident, the time the employee began working that day, and the time of the event. Fields 14 through 17 should not contain any personally identifiable information. We'll discuss why in a moment when we cover the log. To help you, these questions contain examples of answers on the form. For field 14, describe what the employee was doing just before the incident occurred and be specific. For field 15, explain how the injury occurred. For field 16, describe the injury or illness, the part of the body affected and how. For field 17, identify the object or substance that directly injured the worker. You can leave this question blank if it does not apply. Finally, field 18 is for recording the date of death if the incident resulted in a fatality. Again, you can leave this blank if it does not apply. You may also attach as many pages as needed to fully explain your answers to any of the questions asked in the form. Once you've completed the incident report, you'll need to record some of the truncated information in the log. Step two, how to fill out Form 300 log. Unlike the Form 301 report, which is filled out as needed, and the Form 300A summary, which is filled out annually, Form 300 log is an ongoing document to be completed throughout the year. In fact, the log is the link between the report and the summary, and they must correspond. You can download the form from OSHA's website, which I'll link to in the description. Remember, if your organization has more than one site, you must keep separate records for each physical location you expect to remain in operation for a year or more. First, in the top right corner, enter the year the log covers as well as your establishment's name, city, and state. Each new case is a line or row on the log and employers must complete all five steps, organized by columns for each case. For step one, identify the employee by assigning a case number and entering the individual's name and job title. There are certain circumstances in which you should not enter the employee's name. These privacy cases include an injury or illness to an intimate body part or the reproductive system, an injury or illness resulting from a sexual assault, a mental illness, a case of HIV infection, hepatitis, or tuberculosis, a needle stick injury or cut from a sharp object that is contaminated with blood or other potentially infectious material, and other illnesses. If the employee independently and voluntarily requests that his or her name is not to be entered on the law. For these incidents, write privacy case in the space for the employee's name. For step two, describe the case, including the date of injury or onset of illness, where the event occurred and a description of the injury or illness, the parts of the body affected, and the object or substance that directly injured or made the person ill. Again, your answers here should match the corresponding Form 301 report. For step three, classify the case based on the most serious outcome, death, days away from work, job transfer, or restriction, or other recordable cases. You may select only one outcome per case, 
and the fillable PDF will automatically total each column at the bottom as you add cases to the log. These totals will be used later on the Form 300A Summary. For Step 4, simply enter the number of days the injured or ill worker was away from work or on job transfer or restriction. The fillable PDF will only allow you to enter a number here if you choose days away from work or job transfer or restriction in Step 3. Again, these will be automatically total. Finally, for Step 5, identify the incident by injury or type of illness. You may choose only one, injury, skin disease, respiratory condition, poisoning, hearing loss, or all other illnesses. Again, the fillable PDF will automatically total these columns. You may add as many additional sheets to your log as needed. Remember, you do not post or submit the log, but you must retain it for your records for five years. The log is used to complete the summary, which is the most important part of OSHA injury and illness reporting. So, let's get to it. Step three, how to fill out OSHA Form 300A Summary. Completing, posting, and submitting the Form 300A Summary is the final and most important step of the OSHA injury and illness reporting process. Again, it must correspond to the Form 300 log. Also, like the log, if your organization has more than one site, you should post a separate summary for each physical location you expect to remain in operation for a year or more. You can download the form from OSHA's website, which I'll link to in the description. As I mentioned earlier, applicable employers must complete and submit Form 300A summary even if there are no injuries to report. The summary must be posted from February 1st through April 30th and must be submitted to OSHA by March 2nd. I do want to note that if you've kept good records using the 301 report and the 300 log, completing the summary should be pretty simple. I do want to warn you of a common mistake though. The fillable PDF only tallies the numbers for the page, which means you must add up the totals across multiple pages if you've had to use more than one. First, don't overlook filing in the year you're reporting in the top right corner. Then, on the left side of Form 300A, transfer your totals from the log and enter them into the corresponding space. If you're using the fillable PDF, those totals will be automatically transferred from the log within the same document. But remember, it's your responsibility to double check that those totals reflect all of the pages of your log. On the right side, enter your establishment's information, including name and address. You will also need to describe your industry and enter your NAICS code, if known. As I mentioned earlier, it's easy enough to look up your NAICS code on the U.S. Census website. There's a link in the description. Below your establishment's information, you'll need to enter the annual average number of employees and the total hours worked by all employees last year. If you don't have these figures available, OSHA provides a worksheet along with the form to help you figure them out. Finally, in the bottom right, a company executive needs to certify the accuracy of the summary and provide their title, phone number, and the date. And that's it. As you can see, even though OSHA Form 300A summary looks pretty straightforward, employers need to pay a lot of attention to keeping accurate records for reports and the log in order to fill out the summary. So once again, HR pros must be proactive. As always, remember, your role is as strategic as you make it.